Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Portions of the day's programming are reproduced by means of electrical transcriptions or tape recording. This is Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Never say never, but never. I plan on leading this team with an unwavering standard. Everybody love everybody. We will call it the golden standard. And this is the standard that will drive this football program to its 12th national championship. With Sean Styers. I like that guy. Hey, what you could do is, is you could have a barbecue on that it's head. a good time, you know what I mean? On Sports Radio 960 AM, double. USBT. He's running down the middle by the 50. He's bare-chested and banging his chest. They're chasing him. They're not going to get him. And now your host, Sean Styers. Hey, hey there. How we doing today? Tuesday, rolling right through this week. A lot of excitement, a lot of basketball talk coming up for you today. Notre Dame men's and women's hoop hoops. Uh, Matt Ryan though, introduced at a press conference as the Indianapolis Colts' new quarterback today. And, uh, you know, look, I hear some of these talking heads talking about, well, you look at the touchdowns, or, the, or the, not the touchdowns, look at the stats, look at the interceptions and all this different stuff. He's got a little bit better than two-to-one touchdown-to-interception to ratio. Is that the greatest? No, it's better than one-to-one, though. But bigger than that... Look Look closer at his stats. Look at when the Falcons, they very rarely have had uh, really good defenses. You know when they had their best defense in 2016 when they went to the Super Bowl? You know what his touchdown-to-interception ratio was then? 5-1, to one, the, the best of his career. Uh, but there are a couple other seasons like that in that window as well. A couple years later, 35 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. Again, right around 5-1. to one. When they've had good defenses, he's had good numbers. What significance, what does the defense have to do with, with the interception numbers? Well, you're playing from the lead. You're playing with the lead more when you've got good defenses. And that means you're, you're not putting your quarterback in situations where he has to throw the ball, force some balls downfield, playing catch-up and all those different kinds of things. And that's what the Falcons have been predominantly, really, as a franchise forever. They've had... A handful of good years, the years they've had their best defenses. Matt Ryan has uh, taken care of the ball really well. And look, Matt Eberflos is gone now from the Colts. He is the head coach in Chicago. We'll see if they continue to have good defenses. They're, they're going to have at least a good defense. They think they've got a championship caliber defense. So if that's the case, I think Matt Ryan's going to be fine. The biggest question remains – you know, is Chris Ballard going to actually crack open that checkbook and, and ever go out and sign anybody to try to help the Colts from a free agent standpoint? They don't want to spend any money on the outside. They've kind of got the Cowboys blueprint. They only want to re-sign their own guys, but they've got a lot of cap space. They haven't spent any money. They want to try to solve it all through the draft. So now, you know, you got Matt Ryan. You got to get him some wide receivers. Zach Pascal is gone. Not that he was going to light the world on fire, but you know that's another veteran that's been there for a while, and he's gone now too. So Matt Ryan is the new quarterback, and uh, we'll talk more about him in the second hour of the show as well. 
in rapid fire when we get to a lot of topics. But we're down to the Sweet 16 in both men's and women's basketball right now. On the women's side, Neil Ivey's team marching on. On the men's side, Mike Bray's team comes up a little bit short over the weekend. You're going to hear from both Irish head coaches in a minute, Dara Mabry from the Irish women's basketball team is going to join me at 5.30 to talk about her big weekend in Norman, 12 three-pointers in two games against UMass and Oklahoma. Here's a stat for you. Mabry's 12 threes in two games are more than Louisville and South Carolina each have as a team through two games of the tournament right now. Pretty impressive. Last night's win over Oklahoma was impressive, though. 108-64. to And... Didn't see it coming. Yet remember, Notre Dame was the five seed in this tournament. They were the lower seeded team. Oklahoma was the four seed. That's why the game was played in Norman and not here at Purcell Pavilion. You had to be at least a four seed to host first and second round games. The Irish didn't get that. They had to go down to Norman. But they became the first lower seeded team in the history of the tournament to beat a higher seeded team by 40 plus points and second year head coach Neil Ivey wins her first two NCAA tournament games as a head coach and gets to the sweet 16 for the first time as well we really attacked in the beginning we locked in defensively they stuck to the game plan It was a really great game plan um, by Coquise Washington she pre prepared us um, and yeah I was just really impressed by the way we started I knew going into the game that we had a size advantage we played against DePaul this season um, that was very similar to um, Oklahoma, so we knew what worked then. So I think that really helped us prepare. Um, they play four guards, and so I kind of adjusted my lineup, excuse my lineup to that. And um, yeah, just we've been working on trying to set the tone, and we did that this past weekend. I'm really, really happy with the growth of that. Can you tell she was yelling over the crowd <laughs> last night, making those comments? And you know, she was coaching right down to the end as well. Even they, you know, when they had 40 plus point lead, still, still working it on the sideline and you heard her talk about Coquise Washington who's in her second year back on the staff here at Notre Dame she spent the previous two years at Oklahoma so she knew the personnel pretty well and Notre Dame just smothered the Sooners defensively last night the the, the Oklahoma team they faced last night it was the number eight still is the number eight three-point shooting team in the nation in terms of attempts and three-pointers made this season, their best shooter, Taylor Robertson, the best in the nation, 279 three-point attempts this year by herself, 279. There are teams that don't have that many attempts, but they shut her down. She did hit three of Oklahoma's um, six trays, but they were just six for 21 last night. Three and a half made three-pointers below their average, well below their average last night. Yeah, for sure. We we really, I mean, I focused on transition defense because they're number one in pace and then focused on really knowing where their shooters were and really locking in, defending the three-point line. They averaged nine threes a game, so that was the game plan. And then I kind of talked to them about, you know, being playing Oklahoma on their home court, our defensive energy has to shift. It, it, we had to take it to another level. We're normally a 2-3 zone team, but tonight we played all man-to-man. -man. You know, we had to adjust to our opponent and I thought that they rose to that challenge because I told them it's gonna be challenging you know this is a high octane offense type team they play well they move they know each other really well so the fact that they responded and came out 
um, with a de- really great defensive intensity that we kind of spoke on. And I'm super proud. That's a lot. That's a lot of growth for this group. Um, we've got we've gotten a lot better in the last couple of weeks. But they understand. I mean, this desperation. You have to bring the defensive intensity to be able to advance in this tournament, and they did. So I'm proud of them for that. Big time. I mean, you wouldn't have known this was the same defensive team just because strictly just from the the the, the fact that they play so much 2-3 zone and that's you know kind of given other teams some opportunities to hit threes but they went after Oklahoma with with man to man and they were just all over them all night long it was it was just such a different looking team at that end of the floor but you know the Irish trailed 7 to 5 not quite 2 minutes into the game that was Oklahoma's biggest lead and their last lead of the night 7 to 5 Notre Dame went on a 20 to nothing run closed out the first quarter outscoring the Sooners 30 to 5 so they lead 35 to 12 at the end of the first 10 minutes. Mabry was a big part of that. 5 out of 6 from three-point range for 17 points in the first quarter. She outscored Oklahoma herself 17 to 12 in the first quarter. And the road grader just just kept on grading after that relentless at both ends of the floor offensively, defensively. They shot 53% from the field for the game, dominated 50 to 28 in points in the paint, 34 to 8 fast break points, also scored 31 points off Oklahoma's 28 turnovers. Just the most complete game of the season the Irish have had by far this season. I mean, this is something you wish for, you pray for. Uh, we haven't had a game yet where we we were we were really good on both sides of the ball, like the entire game, as far as running. Ex- in, our offense was exactly how I, I envisioned it, as far as our pace, and we shot the ball the shot the ball well. We did a great job of shot selection, get, going inside out. We established inside game. We ran, and then defensively, our level raised. I mean, we raised our level against a really great offensive team. So that was my first time, also as head coach, seeing so much. Um, just so much balance on both sides of the ball. You know, Anaya Peoples did an incredible job, and so did Abby Brasca. You know, they didn't have um, double-digit scoring, but they did a lot of things defensively that really helped us. So just having an overall great team effort, I thought everybody played well. And um, that was our, you know, I felt like that was the first time to have that in 40 minutes. We've had great, you know, halves, great quarters, but we, we dominated for four quarters, and that was the first time we've done that this season, um, and that's um, – that was awesome. It's awesome to be a part of, and super. I'm, again, I'm I'm super proud of the mature, the maturation pro, maturation process of this team. And I think that was the biggest thing for me. What she talked about dominating for four quarters, because there have been times, and if you watched them, you know you've seen it, especially in the fourth quarter, where okay, they've got a nice double digit lead, and then all of a sudden it's uh, you know a lot closer than you wanted it to be. So it's like you're looking at that 40, 42 point leads and you're going okay are they gonna is Oklahoma gonna go on a run are they gonna cut this in half are they gonna whittle it down by at least 15 nope never happened it's I I think maybe 35 36 was as close as they got you know after Notre Dame had gone up by 40 points and it was it was start to finish and again Mabry season high 29 Citron Sonia Citron 25 points Maya Donson 20 Maddie Westbeld 13. And then Olivia Miles, who had the triple double in her NCAA tournament debut Saturday against UMass, 9.7 rebounds, 12 assists, or 13 assists through two games are the most for any player in the first two rounds of the tournament in the past 22 years. So the women are back to the Sweet 16, Notre Dame versus NC State. That is going to be Saturday morning at 1130. Neil Ivey's son, Jaden, he's also in the Sweet 16 with Purdue. They play the Cinderella of the tournament, St. Peter's 
Friday night. That game will uh, be at 7 o'clock, and you will hear at least some of it here. I know they kind of do the, you know, the cutaways and different things like that, uh, you know, with Westwood One's coverage. But our coverage starts Thursday and Friday, 7 o'clock, both nights, right after Budweiser's weekday sports beat, and I'll have more details on that in a little bit. Things, of course, not quite as well for the Irish men. They were trying to get to the Sweet 16 for the first time since 2016 when they made the second of their two straight Elite Eight runs. I mean, things look good. Well, a little over two minutes to play. Texas Tech, though, 10 nothing run. They end up winning 59-53. to Excuse me, here's Dane Goodwin and Mike Bray on where things went wrong in the last couple of minutes for the Fighting Irish. Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough to look back on it and see yourself not capitalize on the opportunity. But like I said before, we're, you know, we went out fighting, um, scratching, clawing, everything, doing everything that we could to win. We just didn't get it done. And, you know, that's a, it's because of a, a mixture of things. But, you know, I'm glad that um, played our butts off and did everything that we could to, you know, try to try to go for it. We turn it over and we miss some free throws. Probably our free throws, and we're a really good free throw shooting team. That probably hurt us a little bit. Um, we're not where we're at unless we haven't ridden Blake Wesley on putting his head down and going to the hole. And I know he had some tough ones, but I'll live with it because he's our best creator, especially against those physical defensive guys. You know, I get it. I get what he's saying there. Uh, about Blake Wesley, that's his style, the, the putting his head down, going to the hole. And, I mean, you know, he's going to support his player. He's going to tell his best guys to keep doing what they do. But Wesley, he was 3 for 14 in the game. It wasn't working for him. So the ISO stuff, you know, it's not working. Texas Tech, they've got physical athletic players, bigger and more physical athletic players. Men, of course, is Mike Bray likes to say here's some more thoughts from bray on tech's size i mean when you when you watch the center jump our bodies compared to their bodies whew. and you know every time we played the big 12 i've always said physically and age-wise of course iowa state crushed us so did west virginia we gave this big 12 a little better go but it's always been physical men and kind of wears on you a little bit and exhausts you a little bit. But I thought our guys were as physical defensively. And I think that that's something that maybe, you know, gets underrated a little bit with the Big 12 is that physicality that he's talking about. But, again, kind of going back to Wesley, it's it's one thing, you know, to ISO, do your thing, when you you have the athletic superiority to just be better than the other guy. But uh, – you know, again, like listen to everything that Mike Bray is talking about there. That was not an advantage that Wesley or anyone for Notre Dame had against Texas Tech. And Notre Dame's offense is best when they're moving the ball, breaking down defenses. T again, tougher against a, a Texas Tech team, but it's also even tougher for a guy like Wesley to beat three guys to the basket if he's going to have to do that. And it didn't happen. And if you want to see exhibits A and B on why Wesley needs another year at Notre Dame, Look at that game, the Texas Tech game. Look at the Duke game where those body types that Mike Bray is talking about, the NBA body types are on the other team. 
He was a combined 6 for 29, 0 for 7 combined from three-point range in those two games against Duke and Texas Tech this year. Far superior physically and athletically. You know, get stronger. Develop a little bit more with another year, like Jaden Ivey did at Purdue from freshman to sophomore year. Look at what Jaden Ivey is doing right now. Speaking of which, remember, you know, going back to what Mike Bray, that, that first comment that he had, about you know Wesley putting his head down, just going to the basket, no matter what. You know, again, if if that's that'll get it done against a lot of teams. But again, you have to have the athletic superiority. That's not something that he had against Texas Tech. But Jaden Ivey has gone from a good player last year to a lottery pick this year. And here's what his head coach Matt Painter had to say recently about where Jaden Ivey has made his biggest improvements For whatever reason um you know with Jaden like his decision making things change in how people defend him and he's he's always you know in that adjustment mode of, of making that decision and sometimes he has predetermined thoughts and that's how he gets in trouble and when he doesn't have predetermined thoughts and he just takes what the defense gives him you know he's proven that he's a good decision maker when he has predetermined thoughts and he's just going to drive and shoot no matter what that's where he gets into trouble and that's where he got into trouble in the last game. Like the ball had to get out of his hands because they were having three, four people on the ball when he drove. So he has shown that he could make that adjustment and you know get us quality looks and then really put the defense in a bind. Sound familiar? I mean, what else do you need to know? But anyway, the Irish hit 9 of 28 from three-point range. Bray said they needed 11 to win. Tech took those away late, though, and uh, he was asked about how they were able to do that. Well, I think they were switching and really getting out on us even more and kind of forcing us to drive. That's why we actually had some driving opportunities. Dane got in there. Blake got in there. He missed a couple, you know, but, God, he got in there. I just think they said switch everything and make them drive it to the rim. Of course, when you do get a head and shoulders on them a little bit, there's another big physical dude usually back there. And, uh, and then you got a physical guy riding you. And... So those finishes are hard, but uh, yeah, I mean, we just didn't play the two bigs. I go banger, should we play two bigs? But we were, we we're gonna have, we didn't run offense. We were just playing basketball, drive kick, drive kick, drive kick. You can't run anything against them, which is kind of what I thought would happen. And that's again, if you wanted to drive it against Texas Tech, just what you were talking about, you gotta get past the first guy and then there's one guy riding you and then there's another physical guy. Wait, that's three guys you gotta beat to get to the basket, and that's that's rough sled. I mean, and Notre Dame hung in there. I will give them that because that is a really good – again, that's a long, athletic, physical Texas Tech team, and Notre Dame was grinding right away with them. And, again, like you go back and the threes were falling, and when the threes were falling it was great, but then they were able to take that away when they needed to the most. And, you know, now it's a, it, it's a time – the season's over – but there are still a lot of roster decisions that uh, are going to have to be made for Mike Bray's Irish. After, you know, my message was uh, how disappointed I am just because we can't coach him anymore. But you guys that can return, I want, you know, for, for a week, we've been around March Madness, right? We've been around this stuff. We felt it. And um, regular season and what we've done you know, I said you can be you can be stinging for an hour, and then I want to see some smiles back at the hotel, and I'll get with all of you about 
your future. Obviously, we got a lot of that locker room can come back, and we have to work through that here in the spring, and we will. Um, but we we were they were very emotional, and they invested, man, and it's uh, all you could ask. Yep. Uh, emptied emptied the tank. I mean, when you look at, at what they did, they go from 11 and 15, 7 and 11 in the ACC last year, 24 and 11, 15 and 5, number two seed at the ACC tournament program record for ACC wins. They get back to the NCAA tournament and picked up a couple of wins. You know, they played the most exciting game of the tournament, the double overtime play in game win. Then they fly to San Diego all night after playing the late game. Eastern time zone in Dayton, they get in at like 4 a.m. local time, and no excuses. They go out and beat a higher-seeded team, Alabama, Friday afternoon and, and nearly knocked out Texas Tech as well. So big, important turnaround season for a, a coach in a, in a program that's been down for a few years. And I know they're naysayers and all that. But don't forget, Notre Dame has spent a decade on the outside of the NCAA tournament looking in before Mike Bray got here, and it's uh, 22 years down the road now and they've been to the tournament 15 times now and just you know just missed out a time or two along the way as well you know so if you want to say they didn't deserve this year maybe there was another time or two they they uh they might have deserved to be in but didn't quite get it next year could be pretty exciting depending on how some of those uh roster decisions end up going with uh guys you know you got a lot of guys with some because of the covid year all those guys who were seniors who would typically be leaving, they can all potentially come back. So be really curious to see how all that pans out and who stays and and who goes. Going to talk with Dara Mabry from Notre Dame Women's Basketball here in just a second. She hit seven three-pointers in last night's win over Oklahoma. We'll do that, but of course remind you that we're brought to you by Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Sports fans, this bun's for you. Midland Engineering Company, beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. Tim Growl State Farm Insurance, save money on home and auto insurance with Tim, serving both Indiana and Michigan. Call 574-232-9981. Barnabies of Mishawaka and Granger, serving our community while serving Michiana's most favorite pizza since 1978. The Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger's a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. The Mishawaka Education Foundation, granting a better future. Wings Etc. Grill and Pub with 14 Michiana area locations. Stop in today or order online at togo.wingzetc.com. Notre Dame guard Dara Mabry up next on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat continues on Sports Radio 960 AM WSBT. Notre Dame women's basketball. Headed back to the Sweet 16 after an NCAA tournament opening round win over UMass over the weekend, and then last night's 108-64 to win over Oklahoma, and a big part of that for the Fighting Irish, Dara Mabry, who joins us right now. How are you this afternoon, Dara? I'm great. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for uh, for taking some Time. Let me just, uh, I mean, you personally, 29 points last night, seven three-pointers, and in the two games combined, you had 12 threes. And, you know, obviously the result, 108-64. to 64. How would you describe the weekend you and your teammates just had down there in Norman? 
Oh my gosh, um, it was spectacular. We're really grateful um, and we're confident, but we also know at the same time um, our hard work is paying off. We worked really hard throughout the summer and in our off season uh, to build a really strong team on and off the court, and the chemistry was clicking and the ball was going in, and that was just a product of uh, all the hard work that we put in. So we celebrate our victory um, and we're really happy, but we know that we have more work to do and we're not done yet. Yep, and we'll talk about that here in uh, in just a second. But, I mean, Oklahoma, one of the best three-point shooting teams in the country, and that's one thing that's kind of given you guys some troubles this year is, is defending the three. A lot of that has to do, you know, with you play a lot of two-three zone and, and all that kind of stuff. But, I mean, it's one thing to have a game plan, but it's another thing to be able to right. execute it <laughs> to perfection yeah. the way you were able to do. How were you How were you able to do that last night? Yeah. Uh, March is a different ball game, and we knew that whatever we were going to do, whether that was going to be man or our 2-3 zone, we were going to have to find shooters. Uh, give credit to Oklahoma. They have multiple players on the floor at all times uh, that can really shoot the ball exceptionally. Um, but we made that a point of emphasis uh, in transition to find shooters and always have a high hand, um, whether that's defending the ball or switching on a ball screen. Um, but that takes that takes maturity and discipline in order to execute a game plan against a hard team like that. So I'm really proud of this group. Is that, I mean, it, it, just flat out, is that the best game that this team has ever played, you know, that you've been on here? Yes, I would say so. Do you think that after the the job that you did playing that man-to-man, do you think you guys could, could do more of that if, if, you know, the situation calls for it? Yes, for sure. We just have to put our minds to it like we did. We're so capable of it. It's just a matter of uh, putting your mind to it. And we all just had this mindset that in order to get into our bread and butter um, and get the buckets that we want in transition, we needed to get stops, and we did that. You personally, 17 points and five three-pointers. Now, that's not for the game. That's the first quarter last night. Yeah. But that's basically a game's worth. In the first quarter alone, you ended up with 29 overall, but have you ever even had a quarter like that before? No, never. Uh, I think the the quarter that was closest to that was the one here against Fordham, but those were other right. kind of buckets. Um, they weren't three-pointers, so that, that was pretty cool. Well, and I think it was it was your third or fourth three. I'm, I can't, I'm trying to remember which one it was. You were, on, you were over on the right wing, and you were kind of – you went up and you were off balance and you had all these hands in your face and you kind of chucked oh, it up yeah. and it banked in when you, when you, when you hit a shot like that, are you just like, yeah, this, this is, this is my night. Yeah. Um, <laughs> at that point you, you just, you know, as a shooter, you put in a lot of work um, in practice and outside of practice and you got to have the confidence to shoot it. But once you see the ball go in the net um, and you're confident, you're going to keep letting it fly. And that's exactly what I did. And even that bank shot, when I let that go, I had no idea like what the outcome was going to be. Mm-hmm. But I think when, when you have confidence like that, it's just the way the world works. The ball is going to find the net for you somehow, some way. <laughs> but it just happened to use the backboard that time. You hit 12 three-pointers in the two games combined. Five against UMass, seven last night, and the seven – of course, is is a new season high for you, and the 29 and his points that you ended up with is a new season high. But the 12 threes, that's as many as you had in the previous nine games combined. How, as, as a shooter like you, how does the switch, how are you able to flip it so quickly like that? Yeah, uh, I think as a shooter, you know, when 
you go through a couple of games and you miss some shots that you would have liked to make, the only way you're going to make the next one is if you keep taking them. Um, and a lot of times you see people miss a few and then shy away from it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think that's the case because I, I believe in my shooting abilities and I know how much it can help my team. So I'd be doing my team a disadvantage, you know, if I didn't keep shooting the ball um, hot or not. So I, I think, yeah. Dara Mabry with us from the Notre Dame women's basketball team headed to the Sweet 16 coming up this weekend, Saturday, against North Carolina State. Well, and I mean, you're really confident, but did you ever doubt yourself at all, you know, when those shots weren't going in the way you wanted them to? No, you never can. Uh, the second you start doing that, you'll be doomed. Um, so, like I said before, the only way you're going to make the next one is if you take it. Olivia Miles, triple-double Saturday, your point guard, freshman point guard, 25 total assists yeah. in two games. What's it like playing with her this year? That's an element that you obviously didn't have last year. You were asked to play the point because you you guys didn't necessarily have a true point guard last year. Right. Um, oh, my gosh, I'm trying to think of the word to even describe Olivia's game. <laughs> uh, you, if you ever get a chance to play with Olivia Miles, you better have your hands ready and uh, your eyes and hands ready um, because she has multiple sets of eyes. You know, she just, her vision is something I've never seen before, and she's only a freshman, so her ceiling is just, I don't even think she has one. There's no ceiling for her, Um, and she's going to continue to get better, and what's really great about her is that she knows her teammates so well um, that she puts you in a position, your position specifically, she puts you um, in a good place to succeed by getting you shots, by getting your shots, at the right time um, in a good spot. And it's been amazing playing with her. I'm really thankful for her. There's no way I could have made all those threes without her. Well, it did it seem like, just sitting where I sit, it seemed like she was kind of at a different level this weekend, just sort of like locked in. Did it feel that way to you? Yeah, and it felt that way around the whole team. You felt really? it uh, from each and every player, not just Olivia. Um, yeah. I, I felt it, of course, from her. I feel it from her every game. But, you know, I think it's March, and and I can speak on that from for other teams as well. It's just a different ball game. Well, Nobody wants to stop dancing. And you were, you know, two weeks ago, you fall to Miami in the ACC semifinals earlier than you would have liked, obviously. But you've got two weeks in between games. What were those weeks like? you know, the, the, that, that gap in between ACC tournament and NCAA tournament this past weekend? Yeah, they were really intense. We did a good job. Uh, our coaching staff did a good job of uh, getting us better in the areas that we really needed uh, to improve, but also being smart and giving us a chance to rest our bodies at the same time. So we had a really good balance of that. Um, we threw a team dinner in there to, you know, just keep building, um, talk about the things that we think we need to do, um, we focused on defense, man and zone, and just some areas that we needed to fix and just getting back to our bread and butter and getting the shots that we want because we want to play at a fast pace, so we practice that a lot too. Well, and the roster's been pretty thin for a while, and you talked about the rest. Just two players had been coming off the bench for about, what, about like the last month and a half before Abby Prohaska right. got back. It, I, I, just, I mean, you touched on it, but that extra time, I mean, you can go hard and practice, but that extra time – has to help you, you know, kind of get healthy and get the legs right and all that different kind of stuff. 
Oh, yeah, it's, re- it's really important. Uh, and our team does a really good job of taking it seriously and understanding that as much as we need to be in the gym at this point in March, you need to be smart and get a lot of sleep and rest your body at the same time. Um, we credit our athletics trainer, Ann Marquez. She's constantly doing whatever she can to right. help us um, here on campus and on the road especially. And I imagine getting Abby back, you know, because she does some good things defensively, that had to be a plus for you as well to have – an extra person who can come out and, and give you some minutes like that. Oh my God. Yeah. Abby is definitely one of a kind. Um, there's not a lot of players like her <laughs> that can just go out there, sacrifice their bodies, um, especially coming off of an injury um, and, and doing whatever it takes for the team to win. She's extremely selfless and she just brings this fire uh, that's unmatched a lot um, in her offensive opponents. Um, and then she also showed some confidence offensively. She knocked down her mid-range. She took it to the basket. Um, like I said before, everyone was confident, and Ab- Abby brings an extra spark uh, that is, is greatly appreciated by all of us. I wanted to ask you about Maya Dodson, too, another big addition to this year's team. And I, I still feel like, you know, just kind of looking at some of the accolades and write-ups and those kind of things, like she's one of the more underrated posts around what what's her presence in the paint brought to you guys as a team this year oh yeah Maya saves our butt uh, whenever <laughs> we get whenever we get beat off the dribble but she's so underrated and she definitely doesn't get all the credit um but it, I've never seen somebody block a shot like that before uh that I've played with it just goes flying into the stands and then sometimes uh-huh. she even goes she even goes and gets it after it's like unbelievable like just having someone on your team that you can just watch literally soar over you at times so gracefully um but that's not all she does you know she hits the mid-range she drives it um she's she's unguardable in so many areas of her game uh and she's she's just been a great person to play with um and build a relationship with especially you know as a older older teammate um another captain on the team she's she's been great and I definitely agree with you on that she doesn't get enough credit for everything that she does in the sweet 16 now this weekend but the standard of this program obviously isn't sweet 16s it's final fours and and championships so what would it mean this is your first NCAA tournament experience now as as a senior what would it mean for you to be playing in a final four in a couple of weeks oh wow um, it would mean everything, but like I said before, it would also show um, all the hard work and dedication that this team has put uh, into the program and putting ourselves behind just for the betterment of the team. Um, I would love to do that here at this university with this program and this family, um, especially my sister as well. Um, I don't know. Some, sometimes when you're caught up in the moment, you don't realize like how much you truly appreciate it, but I think as I've grown and as a senior – I've uh, grown a deeper appreciation for this for this game, and that is our final goal. And we've been trying any and everything uh, to do that, just playing our hardest every single possession, really trying to get down uh, to the national championship. And it would be unbelievable, a dream come true, if I could do that at this university with this team. Well, and I was just talking about COVID years a minute ago. Now, you're a senior, but you've got the COVID year. You're planning on coming back next year. Is that right? Yes, correct. All right. All right. Awesome. Have you thought about, you know, like grad classes and all that? Or are you going to wait on that? Yes. Um, I got into the Masters of Nonprofit Administration here oh, cool. uh, at Mendoza. So I'll be doing that next year. Okay. Yeah. All right. I wanted to ask you, I've got a friend 
Actually, we've got a mutual friend. I'll just okay. call him. I'll just call him Josh. And oh my gosh, <laughs> I had to hear all last weekend that he's having a hard time meeting, you know, the right kind of ladies around South Bend. So I'm curious, what kind of advice would you have for Josh? Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, as much as I love to joke around with Josh and make fun of him, uh-huh. at the end of the day, you just should be yourself. And Josh is an amazing person, so he shouldn't have to try and find the right one. Like, the right one will come to him. That's very good advice. That's very good advice. Oh, It is. <laughs> well done. Dara Mabry. Notre Dame women's basketball team, 29 points in the win over Oklahoma last night, 12 three-pointers in two games this weekend, and she and the Fighting Irish taking on North Carolina State in the Sweet 16 in Bridgeport this Saturday morning, 11.30 a.m. tip-off. I think that's going to be your earliest tip-off of the season, 11.30 a.m. So, yeah. All right, and we've got the action on Live 99.9 FM. Dara, thanks. As always, great season so far, and uh, good luck this weekend. We'll see you there. Thank you so much for having me. Go Irish. Yep, absolutely. Dara Maber from the Notre Dame women's basketball team. We'll take a timeout. When we come back, we'll kind of look at what's going on. Sweet 16 coming up this weekend. We've got that next on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat continues on Sports Radio 960 AM WSBT. We've got Rapid Fire coming up in the 6 o'clock hour. Jesse's going to join me. We've got a lot of topics from Notre Dame basketball, Notre Dame women's basketball. We've got uh, some Matt Ryan conversation, some uh, rules, uh, things that we're going to look at as well considering or concerning college basketball. Uh, Men's Sweet 16, Thursday and Friday. You will hear the action here on Sports Radio 960 AM. WSBT, I'm just going to get the old man gripe out of the way right away. I mean, the first two days of the tournament, they give us basketball basically from noon until midnight. But now we're at the Sweet 16, and they're going to have four games Thursday, four games Friday, and they're going to start at 7.09 both nights. Stagger four games but the, the late games are going to start at 10 o'clock. It's just, come on, you just gave us. If this tournament proves nothing, it, it doesn't matter what time you start. People will watch. You don't have to jam all these games into late prime time. But that's what we're going to get Thursday and Friday, Sweet 16. We've got it here on Sports Radio 960. West Region, four-seed Arkansas, number one Gonzaga, starts things off Thursday night at 7.09. South region game will follow about 20 minutes later. Again, they're going to be staggered, so you'll have two games going on at the same time. Number 11 seed Michigan against second-seeded Villanova. Then back to the West region. Third-seeded Texas Tech, fresh off that win over the Fighting Irish against two-seed Duke. That's at 939. And then about 20 minutes after that, five-seed Houston against number one-seed Arizona in the South region. So those are the four Thursday games. Friday, it's the Cinderella, 15th-seeded St. Peter's Peacocks against three-seed Purdue. That will be at 7.09 Friday night in the Midwest region. Four-seed Providence against top-seed Kansas. That's at 7.29. 
in the East, eight seed North Carolina versus four seed UCLA at 9:39 in the Midwest. 11 seed Iowa State, 10 seed Miami at 9:59. So that's what Thursday and Friday look like. And again, we'll have the coverage from Westwood One both nights here on Sports Radio 960 AM. And of course, the women's tournament, Notre Dame. In the Sweet 16, just got done talking with Dara Mabry, and they will play at 11.30 Saturday morning in Bridgeport, Connecticut. It'll be Notre Dame against North Carolina State. Uh, the Fighting Irish were the only ACC team to beat the Wolfpack, the uh, champions of the ACC this year, both regular season and tournament. So it'll be Notre Dame and NC State Saturday morning at 11.30. That game on our sister station, Live 99.9 FM. The winner of that game plays the winner of three-seed Indiana and two-seed UConn. So that's what we've got coming up over the next few days. And, of course, if Notre Dame wins that game, they would play again Monday. The winner of Notre Dame-North Carolina State plays the winner of Indiana and UConn next Monday in the Bridgeport Regional Final. So that is what is coming up over the next few days. We'll take a timeout. When we come back, we've got a Sports Center update on the way, we've got rapid fire in the second hour of the show as well on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. You're listening to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat with Sean Styers on Sports Radio 960 AM WSBT. Rapid Fire starts now on Sports Radio 960 AM, WSBT. And now your host, Sean Styers. Along with Jesse Styers tonight, Budweiser's weekday sports beats as we jump into Rapid Fire. Thanks for reminding me it was Tuesday, or it is Tuesday, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> My days are all messed up right now. Busy guy. Somewhat. Around everywhere. Somewhat, yeah. Heading from Oklahoma to South Bend and off to Bridgeport, Connecticut this weekend for the Women's Sweet 16. All right, let's just jump right in here since we're uh, rolling with rapid fire right out of the gate. Double fill in the blank on our first question tonight. The Notre Dame men's basketball season was blank, and their ending to the season was blank. The Notre Dame men's season was surprising, and the end of their season uh, was a letdown in my eyes. Notre Dame was projected to finish eighth in the ACC in the preseason polls at the beginning of the season, but ended up finishing second, so that is where my surprise comes in. Notre Dame got off to a slow start and then figured things out midway through the season and finished strong. The Irish picked up some key victories against Kentucky, North Carolina, and Miami, but failed to capitalize in big games against St. Mary's, Illinois, Texas A&M, Duke and IU, all of which on the back half, those five teams were in fact uh, NCAA tournament teams. Going into the season, I don't think that anyone projected Notre Dame to make the tournament, let alone win the play-in and the first-round matchup. So then that again plays into my surprise of the season. And now we go into the second part of the question. The ending was a letdown uh, with two minutes, two minutes and nine seconds left in the Texas Tech game. Blake Wesley was at the free throw line. In a 51 to 49 game, he makes one of two free throws to extend the lead 52 to 49. Texas Tech misses two layups after in their ensuing possession, uh, grabs their own offensive rebounds, gets fouled, 
and the score becomes 52-51 with a minute 50 left. Notre Dame takes a timeout here. After the timeout, from a minute 50 down to 40 seconds, uh, Blake Wesley turns the ball over twice and misses a bad layup attempt on his other possession, so three empty possessions. Texas Tech capitalizes and makes six free throws in that span to go up 57-52 to with about 30 seconds left. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I really got my hopes up towards the end of that game, so that's why you know it, it was almost a letdown in my eyes. Notre Dame in that game uh, was projected to be an eight-point underdog, but like we were, like I was just saying, they were up three with a minute 50 left um, and just had really bad offensive possessions down the stretch and couldn't close it out And what would have been a, a great upset, 11 over three seed to go into the Sweet 16. Yeah. But overall, the season was a surprise uh, and a success, in my opinion, because they weren't, let alone, expected to make the tournament and have success in the tournament like they did. Yeah, I I definitely think the, the regular season or the season on the whole was a pleasant surprise that's 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 my I guess two words pleasant surprise because you know we'd seen this core of guys together before and they had not produced a whole lot you know in the terms of contending contending for the ACC and doing all those things and whether the ACC is down or not they still tied for second place I think the most disappointing aspect of it when you sit back and look like at two teams that Notre Dame beat Miami, you know, because we all want to compare conferences once the once the tournament rolls around, and who's got the teams into the Sweet 16? Well, look at the teams that are in the Sweet 16. Miami is there. North Carolina is there. Duke is there. Now, two of those three names are pretty familiar, but when you look at the seeds, you had an eight seed North Carolina, and you got a ten seed in Miami and Notre Dame beat both of those teams and ended up with a lower seed than each of them and also had to play a play-in game to boot but you know definitely a pleasant surprise you know because again the the core of these guys had been together you don't know what you're going to get from freshmen in Mike Bray's program and they definitely got a lot out of Blake Wesley who we'll talk about specifically here in a minute and he was such a huge part of this and to uh, to to be where they ended up this year uh, compared to where they were just a year ago and really where they've been for the last three or four years is is a big step they they needed to get back and they got back to the tournament even if they had to play a play-in game as an 11 seed they gave America I think arguably the best uh, game of the tournament so far in that play-in game last Wednesday night and as for the ending to the season heartbreaker because of what you talked about they were up they had opportunities and they were able to to kind of trade punches back and forth with Texas Tech all night long but in crunch time when it really mattered the most they were they, they weren't able to trade those punches anymore because Tech went on a 10 nothing run and uh, they end up winning that game over Notre Dame eliminating Notre Dame sending them home but uh, you know I, I still think that there were so many good things to to come from this program. Now the biggest question is who's coming back, who's le- you know who's staying, who's going because you got the extra COVID years of eligibility for these seniors and all that different stuff. And of course there is the Blake Wesley decision as well. But just you know again a really a really pleasant a, a pleasant surprise. I don't want to say really good, but a good season. Unfortunately, I I, I think. You know, the seating and the resume, they just didn't quite have enough meat on the bone with the resume to be seated a little bit higher. I think, 
you know, I still I, I still probably would rather be seated in that eleven range than be, you know, an eight nine and have to play a number one seed in the second round. But uh, I think they maxed out. You know, I, I, one more win would have definitely maxed them out, and and to have an opportunity to play Duke again this weekend would have been really cool. You know, especially with Shashevsky retiring and all that kind of stuff. But good season for Mike Bray and the Irish. All right. So our next question now, fill in the blank again. The decision Blake Wesley has to make about his future is blank. The decision Blake Wesley has to make about his future is easy in terms of where he is on a basketball skill level. I shouldn't say easy because when you're talking about the potential to be drafted into the NBA and make professional money, it is never easy to sit back and say, you know, with an outside perspective that it's easy. Right. But I simply believe that Blake Wesley is not ready for the NBA yet, and that's the driving force uh, for my answer. In the regular season, Wesley averaged around 15 points per game, and like you mentioned, he was uh, a catalyst or one of the main driving factors to really what put Notre Dame kind of over the hump compared to the last couple of seasons. However, I look at his game when the competition intensifies. In the four games post-regular season, Wesley averaged 11 points per game against Virginia Tech, Rutgers, Bama, and Texas Tech. Another thing I look at is how does he perform in the clutch? Well, against Texas Tech, as I just highlighted, he turned the ball over twice and missed a bad shot when his team needed him the most in the final minute and a half to two minutes of the game. NBA-type players take over in those kind of situations and give their team a chance to win. You know, like you were saying, they trade the punches, they go back and forth. I did not see that from Blake Wesley in the closing minutes uh, of that Texas Tech game. And, you know, I say all these things, and it's not a knock on Blake Wesley. I think right. he's a fantastic player. It's not player. blaming the question, him. It's just like the, the decision is, that, is, yeah, is he ready? exactly, exactly, yeah. And so this doesn't take away from Blake Wesley, the player, but if Blake Wesley is an NBA player, you have to be able to make those shots in the end. And finally, the last thing I look at is the ability to create your own shot off the dribble, mm-hmm. meaning that can he create his own open looks while being defended you know, pretty tightly by a defender? I still don't see this fully a part of his repertoire of his game. And in the NBA, you have to be able to create your separation off the dribble and knock down shots because everyone's a good shooter, everyone's a good defender, everyone's a professional. You can't just get skate by with athletic ability any longer. So yeah. for those reasons, I just don't think he's quite ready yet, but that's not a knock on who he is as a player. No, I could, yeah, I completely agree with that. Yeah, it's, it's not a knock on who he is, and it's not blame or any of that different kind of stuff. You know, we're, we're talking about is he ready for the NBA right now and you know like when you are clearly the best player or one of the you know two or three best players on the court in a college game at any time you can do that kind of stuff you're talking about but when you sit back then and you look at like who the competition is Texas Tech the other day Duke where he had some problems you know there there are different kinds of bodies on the floor it's interesting listen to this comment from Purdue head coach Matt Painter about Jaden Ivey and where he, you know, the learning process for Jaden Ivey. Have a listen to this real quick. Whatever reason, um, you know, with Jaden, like his decision making, things change in how people defend him. And he's, he's always 
you know, in that adjustment mode of, of making that decision. And sometimes he has predetermined thoughts, and that's how he gets in trouble. And when he doesn't have predetermined thoughts and he just takes what the defense gives him, you know, he's proven that he's a good decision maker. When he has predetermined thoughts and he's just going to drive and shoot no matter what, that's where he gets into trouble. And that's where he got into trouble in the last game. Like the ball had to get out of his hands because they were having three, four people on the ball when he drove. So he has shown that he can make that adjustment and, you know, get us quality looks and then really put the defense in a bind. Sound familiar? Yeah, I mean, Wesley in those situations where he had bad turnovers and bad shots towards the end of the game, it, it was he had a predetermined notion that he was going to take that shot no matter what, rather than looking for guys who were, who, who were potentially open and were having more of a consistent night than him, like a guy like Cormac Ryan, who had been you know really knocking down some big shots. Dane Goodwin was starting to shoot the ball well in that game. I just think in that situation, he has to look for the better option rather than having the predetermined notion, like Painter talked about, and taking right. it to the cup. At all costs. Yeah, and that's, you know, again, like when you look at where Jaden Ivey, okay, so like Jaden Ivey is clearly much better than he was last year. He was a good player last year, just like Blake Wesley is a good player this year. But Jaden Ivey has gone from a good player last year to lottery pick this year. And I think that that's where Wesley can go in a year with another year of development, continuing to work on his game, you know, work on those kind of things, you know, like Painter was just talking about there with Jaden Ivey, you know, and, it, and some of that is still a work in progress for him. But I, I just think getting that body a little bit a little bit stronger, able to contend with, with some of those guys, I think the sky is still the limit for, for Wesley. And the season that, that he's given Notre Dame, you know, has been – just absolutely fabulous. I, I think that there is an, a, a huge level for him to go to. And, you know, when you're talking about the difference between lottery pick and late first round draft pick as well, you're talking about millions of dollars and you're, you're also talking about job security because even late first round guys are not guaranteed a spot on a roster. You know, you can still be talking about two-way player and all that kind of stuff so I think it's going to be a really interesting decision because I think that there are a lot of guys who just because they're going to be drafted and they decide well you know I'll I'll I'll, I'll go I'll, I'll be making some money still there there are guys who end up playing you know G League forever with those two-way contracts who you know it's like man if you come back for another year you you, you know you develop a little bit more I think it can make a huge difference all right, let's switch to the women's side. Another fill-in-the-blank question tonight. The Irish women's win over Oklahoma was blank. You know, you're going to have to forgive me for some crudeness here, but Notre Dame's win over <laughs> Oklahoma last night was a straight-up assault. Notre Dame came out cooking and got a thirty, got out to a 35-12 to lead after just the first quarter. Dara Mabry scored 17 of her 29 points in that first quarter. And again, after the first quarter, I thought Notre Dame naturally would slow down uh, Oklahoma would begin to inch back into things, you know, kind of tighten things up in some sense. So much so that I was probably about like two seconds away from betting on OU to cover the 22 and a half <laughs> point spread. Uh, but good thing I didn't because Notre Dame just kept rolling. Uh, they won every quarter of that game yeah. and, and took a 60 to 25 lead going into halftime. Along the way, Notre Dame forced 28 turnovers to their 13 turnovers committed. 
Notre Dame shot 54% from the floor and 40% from three. I think the most impressive display of the evening was Notre Dame's relentlessness on defense. I've never seen them attack the ball and play defense with that much energy all season. I don't know what Neil said to them before the game, but they played <laughs> like they were ticked off and had something to prove. I don't know if it was Oklahoma's home court had you know something to do with that, uh, but it showed because Notre Dame scored 108 points which is the most in program history in an NCAA game and the most points ever given up by OU in an NCAA game. It was also the largest margin of victory for a lower-seeded team over a higher-seeded team in NCAA history. So from the get-go, Notre Dame just came out on fire. Uh, They scored 35 points in the first quarter, put up 25, 23, and 25, I think, in the preceding quarters. They just really never slowed down, and it showed all night. And like I said, the thing that was most impressive to me uh, was their defensive mentality. They forced Oklahoma into bad spots on the court, forced them into, into bad turnovers, uh, and just and just kept their, their, their foot on the gas all night. They never let up when playing Oklahoma. And I just, you know, just a reminder, Notre Dame was the five seed. Oklahoma was the four seed. Playing on Oklahoma's home floor, 108-64 to 64 was the final score. From start to finish, far and away, best game, and you, you outlined a lot of it, best game that Notre Dame has played this season and I was watching I don't remember I don't even know if I was necessarily watching this game as much as I saw the score it was a one seed versus a 16 seed at some point over the weekend and it was lopsided you know it's what you expect with a one seed playing a 16 and it, it made me think back to to Notre Dame's game against Louisville and how you know bad that looked in that that second game at home in the last game of the regular season and I thought man Louisville treated Notre Dame like a 16 seed and last night Notre Dame the five seed treated the four seed Oklahoma like a 16 seed and it was all about that defense and Coquise Washington the Irish assistant you know she was part of that Oklahoma staff a couple of years ago and that's where Neil Ivey you know got her from to bring her back to Notre Dame and and uh, she put together the scouting report and just like I talked about with Dara Mabry a little while back it's one thing to have a scouting report it's another thing to go out and execute it like that because just what you said from start to finish they won every quarter and they end up winning by 44 points last night and I kept expecting at some point here's this Oklahoma team they're one of the best three-point shooting teams in the nation they've got the best three-point shooter in the nation and another really good one as well they were never able to make any kind of real run. It was just Notre Dame full throttle all night long. And Matty Williams for Oklahoma, one of their best players, and again, another good three-point shooter, didn't hit a three. They hold her to half of her average. She was their leading scorer at over 18, almost 18 and a half a game. They hold her to nine points last night. And in the fourth quarter, she was sitting over on the bench because she was completely ineffective, and it was because of the job they did defensively. It was, it was impressive to watch, and I, you know I don't care about the 108. It's it's the 64 against a team that that averages you know in the 80s against that, and again hits nine and a half threes and was just six for 21 from three point range last night. Very impressive, and that's they can play like that defensively. All the other stuff is going to come with it because on that team's home floor, they took them out of the game. They were just dejected. They looked worn out by Notre Dame last night. Just put them through the ringer. 
Yeah, I think that was the part that was the most uh, surprising or what really made it a beatdown, in my opinion, is they weren't playing on a neutral court. That was Oklahoma's home court. That was They were the higher seed. Um, I don't remember who the ACC – or sorry, the, the halftime an- analysts were uh, during the game on ESPN2. Uh, but they even said, you know, Oklahoma would put together like a – you know, maybe like a six, eight-point run. And what would Notre Dame do? Respond with a 15, yeah. a 10-point, a 20-point run. They, they just couldn't be stopped. And every time Oklahoma punched them, Notre Dame gave them a knockout punch in response every single time. Yep. All right, one final women's question. Who had the bigger weekend for the Irish? Dara Mabry with her 12 three-pointers in two games or Olivia Miles with 23 total assists and, of course, the triple-double against UMass Saturday? This was a really, really, really tough question for me. Uh, I, I broke it down. Mabry had 47 points and went 12 of 20 uh, from three. So that was a 60% percentage in two games. She had five assists, seven rebounds in both games. Now, Olivia Miles, on the other hand, had 21 points, 23 assists, and 18 rebounds combined uh, in the two games. You know, this is really tough for me because I value a player who is uh, more versatile, more well-rounded, I guess you could say. And a triple-double is the definition of well-rounded in my eyes. That stat alone uh, defines whether or not if you are a scorer or if you are a pure basketball player. But then I look at the energy and fire that Dara brought to the game early on yesterday when she just kept unloading her threes into the bucket. That energy is contagious, and the entire team, I think, fed off of that uh, to a degree. So Dara essentially was able to set the tone uh, with her play early on, knocking down all those threes. Uh, But then another aspect of it is Miles had to assist on X amount of those threes. So her Mm -hmm. gameplay in some ways was set up, you know, set up Mabry uh, for some of her big-time shots. I think the duo was the driving force uh, for the weekend. Uh, so I, I have to go with the duo and ultimately what, it, what what got done in a combined team performance. But I know that's not the question. So if you're holding the gun, if you're holding the gun to my head, uh, you have to pick between 47 points and 12 of 20 uh, from three and, you know, all, all those good things. But I think I'm going to have to go with Miles in the end because, you know, you look at 23 assists, you see, you, you take the bare minimum of two points per assist that's 46 extra generated points off assists alone uh to go off her 21 points uh so that gap makes up the difference for me uh like i said those those assists really generate a lot more points uh to go along with the decent amount of points that she had and then you also throw in rebounds getting your team the ball back or maybe getting them an extra possession uh while what mabry did was impressive and like i said she set the tone and the team really fed off of it I have to go with Miles because it's a more well-rounded performance in my eyes. Mabry had a plus-minus of 38 last night. Miles had a plus-minus of 32. (laughs) Citron had a 34. Westbelt had a 32. And it's like I was just looking at the Oklahoma plus-minuses. Where is she? Um, Oh, there she is. Williams, minus 22. Again, this is a first-team All-Big 12 player. But I've got to give the slight nod to Olivia as well because, you know, you do have to score, and to hit 12 three-pointers in two games is amazing. And, you know, for Mabry to do what she did, that was such a huge part of it and and gave Notre Dame – so you know, because again, we talk about the defense, but there was so much offensive balance with her able to hit those threes. It helps open up things in the paint as well. But as Mabry told me herself just an hour ago, 
that Olivia Miles is such a part of that, finding the open players, giving them the opportunities. And what she was talking about is, you know, not just finding the the players, but but finding them in a situation that gives them the ball to let them be able to score the way they do. And there's that highlight that I saw on Twitter last night where she's, you know, like standing on one side of the floor and kind of, di- you know, does this kind of spin and pass to the other side to Sonia Citron. And Sonia is able to turn it into, you know, an, an, an open jump shot. So uh, Olivia just locked the, the whole team was locked in all weekend. But when you start, off your NCAA tournament career with a triple-double. First freshman, men's or women's, to ever have a triple-double in an NCAA tournament game. And then you end up with 23 total assists for the weekend, which is the most in uh, the last 20, uh, 22 years in the first two rounds of the tournament, 23 total assists. I think I've got to give the slight at, uh, edge to Miles as well. Let's take a timeout when we come back. More rapid fire, including the Colts trade for Matt Ryan. What do we think of it? That's coming up next on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat continues. Rapid fire with Jesse Styers, Sean Styers. All right, so we talked some hoops last segment, Jess. Scale of 1 to 10. Rate the Colts trade to get quarterback Matt Ryan from the Falcons. The Colts trade for Matt Ryan is no doubt a 10 out of 10. Uh, I like to bring up stats, but I don't even have to go into stats uh, <laughs> as to why the Colts won, won this trade. And, 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 here's, and here's why, ultimately. The Colts got Carson Wentz and gave up a third-round pick and a conditional second that ended up being a first-round pick for the Eagles. Okay, The Colts then got rid of Wentz for a third-round pick, swapped seconds with the Commanders, and got a conditional third-round pick. Yeah. From here, the Colts acquired Matt Ryan from the Falcons for one of their third-round picks. Uh, so though still still keeping track at home, the Colts acquired Carson Wentz, shipped off Wentz, and then acquired Matt Ryan. And all in this process, they lost a first-round pick that was supposed to be a, a, a second-round conditional and swapped second-round picks uh, that allowed them to move up six spots. So like I said, everything else cancels out they got Wentz, got rid of Wentz, and got Matt Ryan all in all in the process of losing a conditional second-round pick and moving up a second-round pick. That, in my eyes alone, is a big enough win for the Colts because they didn't give up anything, and then they clear cap space. Yeah. I think this is a masterful GM move, um, and I think if the Colts can – I think their final step in this whole process is to uh, acquire a wide receiver by the names of maybe Jarvis Landry – Odell Beckham, or maybe even Julio Jones in that order. I think that's the order I'd go after him. Um, and if you, you don't need all of them, but you can't lose out on all of them, in my opinion. See, and I mean, Julio Jones makes so much sense, obviously, because of he and Ryan being together. Now he's getting a little bit older. You know, I don't know much, you know, how what he's going to cost. But the Colts have a ton of cap space. And that's that's like my biggest criticism with the Colts right now is they've got to go. They, they've got to be willing to spend some money. Now, I realize they're kind of, you know, they've kind of banked it because they're anticipating signing these young guys who who are coming up for their second contracts, but they've got to give him something now. Wide receiver, tight end, those are the spots that have to be most upgraded, and you can't just rely on rookies to be able to come in and do that. You're absolutely right. They've got to spend some money. But as for the trade itself, 
Yeah, I give it a nine. I don't know about a ten, but you know, I might be pushing a ten just on what you're talking about when you think about it. Like all you had to give up was a third round pick to get Matt Ryan. And I know some people want to knock him. Well, what's he done and all that different kind of stuff. It's not like the Falcons organization, with the exception of a couple of years in his time there in Atlanta, has been that great. You know, they had some good offenses. They went to a Super Bowl. You look at the Super Bowl, it's not his fault they collapsed. He actually made some plays. It was decision-making and play-calling and those kind of things that ultimately caused the Falcons in that game and in the Patriots' comeback win. And, you know, I've also heard, well, Carson Wentz has a better touchdown to, to, to interception ratio. Okay, well, he's also he, he's, he, he's not a winning quarterback. Matt Ryan is a winning quarterback. Is he a Hall of Fame quarterback? No, not right now. But you know, I, I think that everyone pretty much agrees that the Colts roster is ready to win football games. And I think the biggest thing, again, if you want to talk about Matt Ryan's touchdown to interception ratio, two to one for his career. But in the couple of years where they actually had some really good defenses, it's like five to one. And again, the significance of that is if you've got good defenses, you're playing with the lead more and you're not forced into situations where you've got to play catch up and maybe force some balls that you wouldn't typically force. And he's pretty stellar when they've had good defenses. The Colts are supposed to have a good defense. They're going to have a great running game as well once again with Jonathan Taylor. So I think this is a really great situation for both the Colts and for Matt Ryan. And, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe they were waiting for some of this other stuff to play out. But I'm honestly kind of surprised they didn't go out and get him earlier, you know. And and I'm really shocked that they were able to get him for just a third-round draft pick. So I think it's a really good move for them. All right. Back to some NCAA basketball. Should the NCAA play-in games keep being played in Dayton every year, the first four play-in games, or should they just be played at the site where the play-in winner is going to play its next game, you know, once they win the play-in game? I think it is absolutely absurd to have a play-in game all the way across the country from where the round one game is. Uh, These teams are already at a disadvantage having to play potentially three games in five days uh you look at notre dame's situation specifically they had to travel two thousand miles after a double overtime game that ended nearly one in the morning it's just absolutely absurd i the playing game doesn't have to be in the exact location in this case san diego but at least make it relatively close make it in san francisco or you know somewhere in california or arizona so you're you're on maybe an hour flight at most but to have to go two thousand miles after being in a playing game having to potentially play three games in five days. I just don't understand why you put it all the way across the country. Um, So I I do think that they should be played at a site uh, close, if not the same location um, as their region uh, for the first round of 64 games. Yeah, I I mean, I I can understand. I'm sure that there is some benefit to playing these games in a site that does it every year. And they're going to be the first games played. That's why they're called the first four, obviously. And so they can be preparing for these games, you know, a few weeks or even a month before they happen, you know, as opposed to some of these other sites that don't host it every year. So that makes it maybe a little bit more challenging. But I I completely agree with just just the fact, because Indiana had to do the same thing. Indiana had to to turn around and and uh, 
go to what? Oregon, you know, to, to play their game as well. So they had to go to the West Coast. You know, both Notre Dame and Indiana winning those play-in games had to go all the way to the West Coast, different time zones on, you know, on, on short rest and all that kind of stuff. And, it, and it's not just them. It just, it just seems like – and I guess this was the first year the women have done play-in games, and they actually did it where the play-in games were at the same site where the play-in winner would play their next game. It just seems to make sense. But, again, I, I can understand maybe there's some benefit. Maybe you need to move it, though, out of Dayton – even though it's been there in Dayton for a while, to someplace more geographically centered, so that you're you're saving an hour or two, you know, either either way on your flights, if it, you know, when, once you have to get out of there. So I think it's ridiculous that they make them turn around that quickly. And you know, maybe this was just a situation where they happened to, you know, have to go farther. But if that's the case then figure some th- seating things out. But I, I don't think you need to be playing these these playing games in Dayton all the time. I think it makes sense to play them on the site where they're going to play their next game. Fill in the blank. It's blank that college basketball's replay rule says they can look at a possession play with under two minutes to go in the second half, but then if the game goes to overtime, you have to wait until there's two minutes left in that overtime period to review those plays. What do you think about that? You know, like most replays rules, it's simply stupid. And in my eyes, (laughs) overtime, overtime is like negative time is how I view it. It is an extension of being below two minutes. These minutes are more crucial than standard play Mm -hmm. uh, time and should be treated as such, obviously, because they're in overtime. These teams played a full 40 minutes um, and still a winner cannot be decided. So like I said, beyond you know, overtime time, it has to be treated like there's negative time on the clock. Every possession is crucial. Every cri- possession is, is you know, critical. Right. And at that point in the game, there's no reason to not review these close calls just alone because they are in overtime. They've already played 40 minutes. And, and the, you can already, you know, this that's the definition of two teams being so closely, uh, you know, it, so close in their skill levels and everything else that's going on that I just don't understand why you wouldn't take the time to review uh, such crucial plays well, in overtime. And think about it. Like, if a game goes to double overtime, then you're starting back over again. So, like, two minutes to go in regulation. With with under two in regulation, you can look at it. So then overtime starts, and in a five-minute period there, for the first three minutes, you can't look at it. But then once it gets to under two minutes in that overtime period, you can look at it again. And so then if it goes to overtime, same thing. You stop or double overtime for the first three minutes of that second overtime. You can't. And then again, it gets to, it's just, but even like when you look at the end of regulation and an overtime period, that is a total of seven minutes right there. So for four of those seven minutes, you can go to replay and look, but for the three minutes in between, you can't. And just what you were saying, you're in overtime because the game was so close to begin with. So why is that three minutes less important than the other four minutes that surround it? It is It is just ridiculous. It should just be once you get to the end of a, of a game, the final two minutes of regulation, anything that comes after that, overtimes included, you can look at on replay. Because you had the play the other day, two minutes and two seconds on the clock, you couldn't look at it. But once it got to under two, then you could. 
It's just is, and I didn't even realize that until that came up the other day. That that I just thought that in that overtime they could keep looking, but nope. Two minutes and two seconds. You can't look at it until that extra two seconds is gone in overtime. So I don't know. I think I think common sense never seems to. Uh, prevail when it comes to the good old NCAA. All right, Jess, well, that's going to do it for tonight. You've got to get rolling, so I will uh, let you go. Enjoyed it as always. Enjoy the games this weekend, and I'll talk to you next week. Sounds good. Have fun in Bridgeport, and good luck to the Irish. All right, absolutely. Jesse Styers, Sean Styers will take a timeout when I come back. I've got uh, some, uh, some Sweet 16 stuff that uh, we will take a look at coming up next. We've got men's and women's Sweet 16s, of course, starting. The men get going Thursday, their Sweet 16 Thursday and Friday. The women's Sweet 16 uh, Friday and Saturday. And then on to the Elite Eight, of course, after that. We'll uh, check more hoops coming up next on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Come to Auto Value for service, advice, and savings like these. Valvoline Full Synthetic Motor Oil, just $12.99 per quart. Or grab the five-quart jug of Valvoline's High Mileage Full Synthetic Oil, just $43.99. Blast away at brake deposits with Parts Master Brake and Parts Cleaner, only $3.79 for the 15.5-ounce spray. And Perfect Stop Dot 3 Synthetic Heavy-Duty Brake Fluid is just $2.69 for the 12-ounce bottle. Shop your local Auto Value Auto Parts store, where service is the difference. We get it. It doesn't take a lot of time to make a big difference. I'm Mary Jo Martinek with the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Volunteers are the heart and soul of what we do. When you volunteer, something amazing and perhaps even life-changing happens. The feeling that you are helping put food in the hands of people who need it most. Food Bank volunteers make a difference every day and help create healthier communities. Find out more at feedindiana.org. You're always up for some fun with the family. So you order the essentials, a new board game, some baking supplies, and even a new projector for outdoor movie night. And with the Bank of America Customized Cash Rewards Credit Card, you can choose to earn 3% cash back on online shopping, which could increase to up to 5.25% as a preferred rewards member. Rewards which you can put toward an extra treat that everyone will enjoy, like an old-fashioned popcorn machine. Visit bankofamerica.com slash more rewarding and apply now. Copyright 2021 Bank of America Corporation. Dell's semi-annual sale is the perfect opportunity for a significant business upgrade. Save up to 45% on Dell computers with Windows 11 Pro and get an easy start to your workday. Plus, enjoy special pricing on Dell docks, monitors, servers, and more, all with easy financing options through Dell Financial Services. Speak to a Dell Technologies advisor today to find the right tech for your business with fast, free shipping. Call 877-ASK-DELL. That's 877-ASK-DELL. This spring, we're feeling bold new colors and a natural glow. Find it all during 21 Days of Beauty, happening now at Ulta Beauty. Discover daily beauty steals at 50% off the must-haves from brands like Anastasia Beverly Hills and Tarte. And discover the hottest new arrivals like, drumroll please, Fenty Beauty, now at Ulta Beauty. Beauty's biggest event ends April 2nd. Shop in-store, online, or try curbside pickup today. Ulta Beauty, the possibilities are beautiful. Kelly Blue Book is the one-stop shop for pricing, fixing, selling, and instant cash offering. Instant cash offer is exactly what it sounds like. An official offer to buy or trade your car. Woo-hoo! Just enter your VIN or license plate. Answer a few questions about your car's history and what kind of condition it's in. 
In minutes, you'll receive an offer to sell or trade your car that you can be sure is fair. Then choose a dealer to purchase your car and schedule a time to meet. For all of the it's, kbb.com. Diabetes, high blood pressure, anxiety meds, everyone's on them. If you're a 50-year-old male, maybe a bit beefy, or even with type 2 diabetes, a million dollars of term insurance may only cost you about 200 bucks a month. Affordable term life insurance is out there. Call term provider and speak with Big Lou at 800-481-1458. 800-481-1458 or visit BigLou.com. Remember, Big Lou's like you. He's on meds, too. We're planning a trip to Spain later this year. But our Spanish uh... is pretty bad. So we're using Babbel. Babbel's conversation-based method teaches you real-life words and phrases. And with Babbel's interactive bite-sized lessons, you'll remember what you learned. There's no easier way to learn another language. Ahora hablamos español. He just said, now he speaks Spanish. Babbel, language for life. Now try Babbel for free. Just go to babbel.com. That's B-A-B-B-E-L dot com. Now, the latest forecast from the WSBT Weather Center. Cloudy skies with showers continuing tonight. Overnight lows will fall to around 48. For Wednesday, an 80% chance of showers with a few storms possible. Warmer highs in the lower 60s. A 60% chance of rain on Thursday with cooler highs around 45. And on Friday, a slight chance of a rain-snow mix with a high of 48. I'm WSBT 22 meteorologist Abby Wepler. Budweiser's weekday sports beat wrapping things up on Sports Radio 960 AM WSBT after a late night getting back from Norman, Oklahoma with Notre Dame women's basketball after their 108 to 64 win over Oklahoma. Be here today and tomorrow heading out to Bridgeport, Connecticut. Thursday, but uh, we've got men's Sweet 16 action Thursday and Friday here on Sports Radio 960 AM. Starts Thursday night, four seed Arkansas against top seed Gonzaga in the West Region at 7.09, the first of four games that night. In the South Region, 11 seed Michigan against second seed Villanova at 729. Three seed Texas Tech against number two seed Duke in the West at 9:39 Thursday. Uh, then the late game, tipping off at around 10 o'clock. Five seed Houston against number one seed Arizona in the South. Those are the four games Thursday in the men's Sweet 16. Friday, third seed Purdue takes on the Cinderella 15th seeded. St. Peter's at 7.09. That's in the East region. Midwest region, number one seed Kansas against four seed Providence at 7.29. Back in the East, eight seed North Carolina, four seed UCLA at 9.39. And then in the Midwest, once again, 11 seed Iowa State against 10 seed Miami. Couple double digit seeds. And that's uh, that's going to tip off again around 10. And that's like, that's how some of these Cinderella's advance because now you're in the sweet 16 and you're a double digit seed and you're facing another double digit seed so now we're going to get a 10 or 11 seed in the elite eight with a chance to go to the final four and that's how it usually happens it's not just that you pull off upsets it's that other upsets happen and you're a lower seeded team and sometimes the path clears for you a little bit not taking anything away from either team but that's kind of how you know like when you sit back and you look a couple years later, that's how some of these teams end up where they are. Happened with Kansas State when they got to the Elite Eight. 
a few years back. And there are some other ones I could think of as well. But that's so that's the men's Sweet 16. And of course, we'll also have the Elite Eight games Saturday and Sunday here on WSBT. The women's Sweet 16, Notre Dame has the first game Saturday morning, 11.30 a.m. It is five-seed Notre Dame against top-seed North Carolina State in the Bridgeport, Connecticut region. We'll have that game at 11.30 over on our sister station, Live 99.9 FM. Third-seeded Indiana still in it. They had a close one against Princeton last night. They'll face number two-seed UConn. So those are the four teams in the Bridgeport region. Notre Dame, North Carolina State winner against the Indiana-UConn winner. And uh, Neil Ivey, one of three former Muffet-McGraw assistants who uh, have teams in the Sweet 16. A couple others, Bill Fennelly and Iowa State in the Greensboro region take on a Cinderella. Tenth-seeded Creighton, who beat the number 2 seed Iowa. So uh, Bill Fennelly and Iowa State against Creighton Friday night in Greensboro. And then Kevin McGuff, who was a part of the 2001 National Championship staff, uh, under Muffet McGraw and six-seeded Ohio State in the Spokane region play two-seed Texas. That is also Friday. So uh, congratulations to them. And again, three Muffet McGraw assistants in the Sweet 16 this weekend, including Neil Ivey, two, uh, two prominent figures from the 2001 National Championship team. Neil Ivey, the starting point guard, and Kevin McGuff, who was an assistant on that team. Budweiser's weekday sports beat is brought to you by Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Sports fans, this Bud's for you by Midland Engineering Company, beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. By Tim Growl, State Farm Insurance. Save money on home and auto insurance with Tim, serving both Indiana and Michigan. Call 574-232-9981. By Four Winds Casinos, your entertainment escape by Barnabys of Mishawaka and Granger, serving our community while serving Michiana's most favorite pizza since 1978. By the Food Bank of Northern Indiana, hunger's a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. And also by the Mishawaka Education Foundation, granting a better future, and Wings Etc. Grill and Pub with 14 Michiana area locations. Stop in today or order online at togo.wingsetc.com. Now, I should also mention, of course, we've got NCAA tournament hockey this weekend, and Notre Dame will play North Dakota. That is going to be this Friday at 6 o'clock Eastern time, and Darren Pritchett will have the call of that game on Z94.3. FM. So we've got a busy weekend, as always, with the men's Sweet 16, both Thursday and Friday, and the women's Sweet 16 for Notre Dame, Saturday morning at 1130 when the Fighting Irish women take on North Carolina State. They were the only ACC team to defeat the Wolfpack this season, and uh, Jeff Jackson and the Fighting Irish hockey team in action Friday night in Albany against North Dakota. And, of course, if the Notre Dame women win, they would move on and play a game next Monday against either Indiana or UConn. So uh, it should be a, a fun weekend. We will see how it goes. Talk to you tomorrow night. Budweiser's weekday sports beat on Sports Radio 960 AM, WSBT South Bend. 
Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering, char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 